Amen. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, Isaac read verses 10 through 12. And this will be the last uh, uh, lesson in this series on the Beatitudes. And I hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you. It's, it's been a real blessing to me. I've, I've really enjoyed the study. But I want to uh, read again verse 10. Matthew 5 verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Four points this morning and the lesson will be yours. The first point to consider this morning is the reason for persecution. The word persecuted right here in the Greek means to pursue in a harmful manner or to follow, follow after somebody earnestly. It gives the illustration and the definition of one who runs a race swiftly to reach the goal by any means. So someone who's running a race, and if you're in their way, they're going to get you out of the way because they're going to win the race. So to persecution is, is someone who is persistent to harm you in some type of way, whether it's to harass to make trouble for, or to mistreat you. There was never anyone more loving than Jesus Christ, amen? There never was a greater peacemaker. And for some, they responded to that love. And others in the first century, they entered that peace. But even though Jesus was the most loving, gracious, kind and peaceful person who ever lived everywhere he went he created something he created friction or better said opposition why why was that how did the one who showed the best qualities of any man ever create such bad blood I want you to think about this comment. Why were people in opposition with Jesus? His righteousness that was amongst the wicked world, it made them mad. There was a man who took a job, a very uh, good job, but it was for a, a really corrupt company. And the money was outstanding. But he was fearful that they would find out some specific details about him, uh, and then he'd be fired. So he came home after the first day, and he was smiling, and he set his wife down, and they talked about the first day. And she said, well, how'd you get along? And he said back to her as he held her hand, I got along terrific they never even found out that I was a Christian. Never even found out that I was a Christian. If nobody ever knows that we are Christians, then we'll get along just fine with the world. Amen? If nobody ever knows that we believe in Jesus Christ and we are a follower of him, 
then we'll get along just fine with the world. You know, but if we're living according to the Beatitudes, if we're living according to what God has told us to do, we will suffer persecution. Look at what verse 11 says. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. All kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. We who live in uh, this type of world that doesn't really love Christians. They may act like they love Christians. They may say that they're Christians, but when God's principles come to the forefront and it comes in direct opposition to what they believe, there's a problem. Amen? Think about the righteousness throughout history. I want to give just two examples of that. Early on, there was a man named Abel, and he was murdered by his brother Cain. Why was that? Why was Abel murdered? Because Cain couldn't stand his righteousness. Moses, he had to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God or compromise himself to the passing pleasures of sin. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 26. It says, by faith Moses... When he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Think about that. Think about your life. Think about the application that that statement is right there in verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. So if our faith is real and we are truly walking in the light, we will be persecuted. The second thing to consider, suffering for his name. What should comfort us? What should really comfort us? And if you want to, go ahead and flip to Philippians chapter 1. I want to read verses 27 and 30. But what should comfort us is that when people persecute us for being Christians, it's proof. It's proof that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing. How do I know that? Why would I say that? Because the Bible tells me so. Look at what Philippians 1, 27 through 30 says. Paul says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation. And that from God, 
For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ that not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. What an awesome insight that Paul gives us inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, those who persecute you are proving where they're going. See, it says perdition. The Greek word perdition means eternal misery. Eternal misery. By the things that they say to you, by the way that they act towards you when you are doing the right thing, by you being righteous and living the way that God wants you to live, when people persecute you, when people try to harm you mentally, physically, however, they are showing where they are going to end up. But see, the one who is being persecuted, it is proof of your salvation. Here's the question. How serious are you about going to heaven? How serious are you about making heaven your home? See, Jesus says it exactly the same way in the Beatitude. He says, blessed are the ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So what we see is that when we strive to be like Christ, we're going to suffer. There are those who will revile against us and try to hurt us, but that's part of being a Christian. The question then becomes, is that important to us? Are we okay with being isolated from the world? Whether it comes from friends making fun of you, whether it comes from family separating themselves from you, or from us actually being hurt physically for Jesus. Are we strong enough in our belief in who Jesus is and what he did to make a stand in the midst of all of that? The answer should be absolutely. Amen? It proves where we want to go. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16. He says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, if somebody makes fun of you, if somebody talks bad about you, if somebody tries to hurt you in some way, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. Remember that statement. Let him not be ashamed. 
but let him glorify God in this matter. We don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to be the one that all the arrows are getting thrown at. That's just how human nature is. But if it's for Jesus' sake, if it's for standing for the truth, and nobody else wants to stand with you, God said, you're blessed. Remember that, brethren. Remember that. If you're standing for the truth and nobody else will, you're doing the right thing. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. That's what he's trying to get us to realize in our lives that we are going to face times when people make fun of us. We're going to face times where people are going to question whether we really believe in Jesus and if we really follow him and if we'll really stand for his truth. In those moments, what will we do? Which brings me to my third point. Rocky soil Christians. Rocky soil Christians. You remember that these beatitudes are describing those who belong to the kingdom. But there are some that look like they've received the word. They put on a good show. And they've obeyed the truth with joy and they know who Jesus is and what he's done for them. But when the difficult times come, they immediately fall away. Jesus in the parable of the soils says this about the rocky soil or the stony places. Matthew 13 verses 20 and 21, he says, But he who received the seed on stony places... This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. Think about that one. No root in himself. I obeyed the gospel. I'm a child of God. And yes, I understand what I need to do. I need to come on Sundays and I need to be a part of things uh, that uh, the congregation has going on. But I'm never spending any time in God's word. I'm never disciplining myself. We talked about it in the Proverbs class. I'm not being diligent at all to study God's word and to be able to rightly divide it. I'm just kind of going through the motions because I know I got to. This is this type of person who has no root in himself. And then it says, but he endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Soon as somebody says, you're a Christian. <laughs> Seriously, Matt, you're a child of God. Is that what y'all say? Or a follower of Jesus? Y'all are wimps. Y'all give in too much, man. You try to make peace with people when they do you wrong. Really? Whatever, man. Remember not to invite him to the party. If we had to answer this question, what would we say? Are we suffering some type of persecution in our lives right now? Are we living our lives striving to be righteous and when others around us are... Let me just say this one, and I'm going to say it twice. 
Are we living our lives striving to be righteous and when others around us are sinning or a part of sin, do we make a stand for the truth? When others around us are sinning, when others are a part of sin that is around us, do we make a stand for the truth or do we just keep our mouth shut? And I'm not saying go over there and be hateful because we just read also in, in our class upstairs to do everything without grumbling or disputes. Or do we do like the story I told earlier? Make sure that no one around us knows that we're a Christian. I'm just going to be me and I'll just kind of go along with the jokes and everything will be fine. Remember what Paul said in Romans 1, 16, one of my favorite verses, and it makes me so excited when I just think about it. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it because I realize what it is. It's the power of God. It saves people's lives, and I would never be ashamed of following that. Let's just say we all get captured today, brethren. The enemy comes in and he gathers us all up and he stands us up against the wall on both sides. And he's walking down this middle aisle. And he says, I want everybody who says they're a Christian to step forward because we're about to punish you. What would you do? What would you do? Which brings me to the fourth point, rejoicing to suffer. Will we do like Peter did and deny Jesus? You remember he said, oh no, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I'm going to save your life, man. What did he do when it came down to it? He didn't deny him one time. He didn't deny him two times. He denied him three times and even said some foul language in it. But Peter figures it out, along with the other apostles who scattered when Jesus got arrested. In Acts chapter 5, verses 40 and 41, it says, And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. But what does the apostles do? Verse 41 says, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They rejoiced because they were a part of this suffering. Not just to suffer because of what you believe, because they were able to suffer for his name. What about us, brethren? Do we rejoice when we suffer for his name? Matthew 5, 12, he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. <laughs> rejoice and be exceedingly glad when somebody persecutes you. Really? When somebody reviles you. Really? Yes. 
Why is that? Why is, why is Jesus saying this? What is he wanting us to get? He wants to see if you're really sold out. Are you sold out? Are you sold out to what he says? Are you sold out to what he promises you? Are you sold out to what he says he will do for you and what he's already done for you? If that is true and that is who you are, then you should be showing nothing but righteousness in your life. I can't watch that. I can't be a part of that. I can't say that. Please don't get around me with that. Is that where we're at? Or do we just do what we do just because we know we got to and this is what we've always done? Do we ever stand out and say, you know what? I'm going to make a stand and I'm going to change the way that people see me. And I'm going to change the way that they see Christianity. Because I'm going to do it like Jesus did it. Romans 5 verses 3 and 5 says this. And not only that. But we also glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations. Glory in tough situations. Glory when people say things bad to me. Yes. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance character. And character hope. It all goes back to what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. We're not talking about a little thing. We're talking about something great that's in heaven. I want to close with this thought. In John chapter 21, Jesus is talking to Peter. And he tells them... Uh, that he's going to give up his life for Jesus. In John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19, this is what Jesus says. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. If you don't catch anything else in the lesson, catch this one. He tells Peter what kind of death he's going to die. And he says, follow me. You would think that Peter would in turn say, all the way, Lord. I am all the way in. Whatever you say, I'm ready to do, Lord. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you for caring for me enough. But he doesn't say that. What does Peter respond with in verse 21? He says, but Lord, what about this man? He was talking about John. Jesus had a moment with Peter. He's trying to tell him, look, I know how you're going to die and just follow me. It's a moment 
for Peter to really uh, draw close to the Lord, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, what about this man? And how does Jesus respond to him? In verse 22, he says this, Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, why did I say that? Why did I bring that up? Why did I bring this point up at the end of a lesson about somebody being persecuted for righteousness sake? Because it doesn't matter really when you get down to it. It's appointed once for man to die and face the judgment. You're going to have to stand in front of the Lord and you're going to have to answer for the deeds that you've done, whether good or bad. Why worry about everybody else when you worry about yourself? See, we follow Jesus because that's what he told us to do. How awesome of a feeling to know that when we do that, we aren't alone. See, he ends verse 12 by saying, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And if you just think about the prophets and you think about the things that they've went through, and you know who I love to talk about is Jeremy, Jeremiah. He never converted one person. I mean, they never listened to him. He went and told them what God said, and then they said, yeah, right, we know what you're saying is right, but we still ain't going to do it. We're going to do whatever we want. What's ever right in our eyes, we're still going to do. Do you think that the mission that Jeremiah went on was in vain? Absolutely not. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad in what you're doing, brethren. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad when people make fun of you, when people try to down you, when people try to say what you're doing isn't worth it, because great is your reward. It is a privilege to suffer for Jesus. We must change our thinking so that we understand this and then act in this way. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 12 says this. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Do we believe that, brethren? Do we believe that we died with him? And we've been raised to walk in newness of life? Because if we believe that, then we also believe that he's coming back one day to get us. And therefore, I'm going to live every day like he's coming back today. And if we endure, verse 12 says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, though, he'll just say, oh, it's all right. You did good for a while. No. He says if we deny him, he also will deny us. We must obey the Lord and love Jesus even when conditions are not favorable to do so. But following Jesus without reservation, willing to suffer for him, will only happen when we deny ourselves and follow him. When we keep our eyes on the future, our reward will be great. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you are ready to change the way you've been living. You can come forward and we can pray with you. Maybe you've done some things contrary to God's word and you need the prayers of the saints. Maybe you need strength. We'll pray with you. We'll hug you. We'll love you. That's what we do here. But maybe you're here today and you need to obey the gospel. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another moment to be added to the family of God, to be his child, to be forgiven of your sins. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Today, you can be saved, be forgiven of your sins, and be added to his body. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.